In Pakistan, the CIA conducted a fake vaccination program on children in the hunt for bin Laden. That's not even concealed. It's been admitted. You can, yo, Jamie, you can look it up. Vox has reported, everyone's reported, because they've admitted it and apologised for it now. In the hunt for bin Laden, there was a fake hepatitis B vaccine program on children collecting all their DNA to try and see if they were related to bin Laden so they could trace bin Laden. This is why in Pakistan, my family's country of origin, the Taliban blow up vaccination centres because they think they're CIA fronts. Right? So while he's looking that up, I'll, I'll keep telling you this story. You, you know, there, there we are. How the CIA's fake hepatitis B vaccine program in Pakistan helped fuel vaccine distrust. Wow. Now, now, you know, what is that? Is that on Vox? That a fake hepatitis B vaccine program. And Jamie, if you scroll down, it may even contain the CIA's apology in there. But, Oops. Uh, but, but many of them do once it got exposed. Yeah. But again, Joe, the only way this gets exposed is when people like us have these conversations. Yeah. Now you're trying to not you, but you know, people are trying to convince me that none of this happened that the states always had my best interests at heart. I can't undo those experiences and those memories and the treatment to say, okay, you were wrong on Iraq and you actually lied. You were wrong with this hepatitis B vaccination program in Pakistan. My family still live there. Okay, you were wrong there and you lied and you did this fake program using vaccines. But you know what? Okay, you were wrong there. But Oh, and you were wrong when you injected me in, in prison, one of your allies, Mubarak, who was one of the closest allies of America after Israel in the Middle East, whether it's... Uh, here in the U.S. with the African-American communities and the whole experience of uh, medical abuse by the state. But this time you're telling me the truth. No, I'm going to question. I'm not saying you're lying. Right. I'm not saying anyone's lying, by the but way. But that's a thing where under crisis, people do not like people questioning yeah. the narrative. All right, everybody. So that was a gentleman named Majid Nawaz. Uh, he was a guest on the Joe Rogan show a while back, and I wanted to start the show today with that clip just to set the stage for the, what we're going to talk about today and to further hammer home the idea, one of the constant, consistent themes here on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast, that people, we have so much more to fear from our intelligence community than we do any foreign nation these days. Listen to the operations that these intelligence community uh, groups, you know, CIA, FBI, NSA, etc. Think about the horrors that they have committed against not only the American people, but many different peoples around the world over the years. We must beware of the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower warned us then JFK was going to blow the whistle on the whole big club, secret society, who really owns the world and wants to create a one-world gov government group of people. He was going to blow the whistle. They popped him. And ever since then... My fellow Americans, every president that has been put in that office has been a puppet of the cabal, the big club. And the more research you do, you will learn that. Listen to what this guy said. Fake hepatitis program, CIA apologized, wondering where vaccine hesitancy came from. 
And then remember the uh, sterilization program, basically, that they did in India? Uh, The Bill Gates Foundation, I talked about that in a previous show, where all these women were sterilized. And uh, I played that clip where they said that the, the harsh truth, the harsh reality of that happening lives on the NIH website. And I don't know if it's still there. But at one time, the facts were right there to be sought out and discovered by critical, discerning, curious thinkers. Aware, engaged, intelligent citizens of this country and citizens of other countries around the world. People are waking up. The governments are colluding and conspiring against us. It's becoming more and more and more apparent with every passing day. And if you still can't see what is going on here in the 21st century, my fellow Americans, then you've been lulled to sleep and you just can't wake up. And, you know, I just wanted to play this clip to start the show. Further proof that if you're looking for evil, if you're looking for the devil incarnate, if you're looking for the group of power player, elite player, aristocrats, the new bourgeoisie, if you're looking for the group of people that we should be afraid of, those are the group of people. It's not the people from some foreign country that have a different language and have a different religion. Those people are your friend. You have more in common with them, my fellow Americans, than you do the heads of state and the aristocracy of any government anywhere in this world. That's where we are. That's how far history has advanced into this present day. The 21st century where we are going to be ruled by a small group of world planners the writing's on the wall people and i've been talking a lot about <laughs> you know we're moving towards this this uh fictitious creation of scarcity And uh, Sam Winchester uses the word austerity. And if you want to know what austerity means, the word austerity has a couple different meanings. This is the meaning that me and Sam mean. This is the definition right here. Here we go. Austerity. Noun. Difficult economic conditions created by government measures to reduce a budget deficit especially by reducing public expenditure. A period of austerity. A government implementing austerity measures, i.e. interest rates are going to go up. The price tag of day-to-day items, the prices are going to go up. The price of gas is going to go up. The price of everything is going to go up. 
And you're going to hear a lot of different reasons for this happening in the mainstream media. But all of it is bullshit if they don't point the finger at the mass printing of the American dollar. The mass printing of fiat currency creating bubbles throughout history not backed by gold or anything that has a stored value. We're in trouble, people. The future is not looking bright. I've been saying it on this show for quite some time now. And I've always <clears throat> I've always been trying to stay positive. I've always been trying to find the silver linings and look on the bright side. It's not so bad, right? It's not as bad as I'm making it out to be, right? But I don't really know. Things are starting to get a little bit more worrisome. Are we taking the next step closer to the end of this American empire? Are other countries going to take advantage of our out-of-control deficit? And this government has been deficit spending for years and years and years. Quantitative easing. Quantitative easing is basically the printing of money, which leads to inflation. And when you give a bunch of money away and you pr that you printed, when it's not coming from labor, it's not coming from business, it's not coming from production... Where's it coming from? It's coming from the government credit card. Our debt is so much, we will never pay it off. Any country that owns our bonds is basically in control of us at this point. You're going to continue to see the big club do some pretty fucked up shit to the people of this world. They can allegedly control the weather they're going to control production. Bill Gates is buying up all the farms. Codex Alimentarius. The UN Protocol. I've been over all this stuff. And now this stuff is starting to happen. They're going to control production of food. And distribution of food. Rima, Dr. Rima Labo said, He who controls the food controls the world. I don't know. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a tinfoil hat wearing nut job conspiracy theorist, right? Or maybe just maybe these theories over time are slowly proving to be factual, real, accurate. Maybe, right? I think we all need to start accepting the possibility that some of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories might just, in fact, be that. Might just, in fact, be fact. We're going to find out. We are going to find out. Take a listen to this. Uh, this is from a lady named Lisa Haven. I played a clip from her before. Uh, I see her show on BitChute. Uh, she's a conspiratorial one. Uh, commentator out there. 
but she is well-researched and she looks like she has a team behind her content. And she recently said this. Hi everyone, Lisa Haven here and so many things are happening all around us right now and now is the time to prepare yourself for what is coming not only across the globe but here in the United States of America and I've got one heck of a report to share with you. Let's start with some of the things that are happening. The first article here, NBC News, economy in reverse, initial jobless claim rise for second week, GDP falls by record 33%, zerohedge.com, the recovery Recovery has reversed what Goldsman's real-time indicators reveal about the state of the United States economy. Bloomberg.com, almost 30 million people in the U.S. didn't have enough to eat last week. And that signifies that we are in so much more danger than many of us realize. The fact that people are scraping by and we have massive lines at the food banks. But the good news is we do know gold is going up. I have to give you some good news here. Here's that. Coin telegraph.com goldman sachs gold will hit 2300 by 2020 what about bitcoin and pionline.com investors rethink 6040 as low bond yields test portfolios so so she said 2020 there i thought that that was a more recent video but if it wasn't people <laughs> if she really did make that video in 2020 then she is that much more ahead of the game and I think that's where a lot of commentators, such as myself, we want to be that far ahead. We want to be able to see it as it's moving in that direction. And some of us are starting to get that good at their research and investigation, people. And that's why I continue to say, if you want real news and real investigative journalism and reporting, you're going to have to get away from the mainstream corporate media and you're going to have to start listening to alternative media. It is the new frontier. It is the the wave of the future. <laughs> it is where you need to go if you want to know what's going on in this new, coming, brave, new, Orwellian, police, state, totalitarian, dictatorship world. Yeah, so... That's a, a little concerning. Uh, anyway, look at it. This food shortage conversation, uh, you know, the inflation, they're trying to blame it on Russia. It's just a big joke. Anybody with half a brain in their head should be able to see this stuff. Uh, Sam Winchester just put out an episode called Inflation where he talks about this stuff. And me, uh, me and him are going to get together at some point and, uh, chat about this very topic uh but you know <laughs> a sitting american president telling you the american people that we're going to have food shortages based on these sanctions and sam uh, winchester makes the argument that putin's holding all the cards in uh this geopolitical situation because he has oil and gold, apparently. The ruble apparently is based on gold now. So it's actually not a fiat currency. <laughs> P 
people, you might want to pull your money out of the American dollar and go invest in rubles right now. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? And you know what? Here's a clip from a guy that agrees with me. Libertarian Tupac, Dave Smith. So Joe Biden uh, had a um, had a, a meeting in Brussels with other world leaders about the crisis in Ukraine. And this is what he said when when taking some questions from reporters afterward. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example, just give one example. But we had a long discussion uh, in the G7 with uh, um, the uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, as a significant, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food, food shortages. And in addition to that, we talked about uh, urging all the European countries and everyone else to end trade restrictions on on sending uh, limitations on sending food abroad. And so we are in the process of working out with our European friends what it would be, what it would take to help alleviate the concerns relative to uh, food shortages. If you don't, you know, get too lost in the ramblings of an apparently senile old man there, what you heard was the president of the United States saying that we're going to have food shortages. Now, this is what I mean when, when I say you have to be able to kind of like sort through this stuff and then kind of spot when something is, you're like, oh no, that's, that's a big deal. That's really newsworthy. That is really newsworthy that the president of the United States of America said we're going to have food shortages. That like that should be leading on every news outlet the the next day. But it's not. I mean, there's a few who are talking about it, but it's not being treated with like. And this is the problem with this whole you know media, uh, you know, like system that there's no sense of like kind of prioritizing and picking out they'll, they'll all just be like a million random things thrown out there and then one of them will be oh yeah and by the way the president the president of the united states of america in 2022 is saying that we will have food shortages ah, he didn't say just us he also said in european countries i'm sorry it's a little bit it's you know it it might not be um uh, sh uh, uh surprising or shocking to hear about someone talking about food shortages in somalia um, but to hear uh, the president of the United States saying he expects them in Europe and America, that is pretty surprising. That is not something that we have really considered for quite a long time. The idea that food uh, security might be a real issue for Americans and Europeans, for people living in first world countries in the 21st century. 
Now, of course, the reason that Biden is uh, or the, the culprit for the, the, this is, as Joe Biden says, the sanctions. Now, we'll get into that a little bit more and whether that is is accurate or not. Um, but I would just say that if you're going to say, hey, you might be running out of food, average American, Mr. Joe Sixpack, you might have to start thinking about where to get food from, and maybe you're not going to be able to get it. And this is also true for these other, you know, starving third world uh, countries like France, <laughs> you know, okay. If this is what you're saying, and you're saying the reason for this is the sanctions, well, then I think we better be pretty damn clear on why we're having these sanctions, what the intended purpose of these sanctions uh, is, and what um, why they're so necessary. I mean, I don't that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. If you're going to accept for the second, which we we will talk about in a minute, but if you're going to accept that this is because of the sanctions, this is because of Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine, and that we're forced to put these sanctions on. Well, this is going to result in possibly. Uh, or not even possibly, he's Joe Biden is saying they're very real and they will happen. So we're going to have food shortages. Well, what is so important that the offsetting cost of food shortages for your people is this is still a no brainer. It's still worth it to do. So that's a, a pretty important thing to to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my fellow Americans, sanctioning you A country that is basically a service economy now. We don't really build anything. There's no manufacturing in the United States anymore, right? Everything's outsourced. We're how many trillions of dollars in debt? I mean, I think uh, I heard Ron uh, from New England on the Wicked Planet podcast talking about how he has a theory about how Russia and China and maybe some other countries are trying to push uh, America off the petrodollar and off maybe even as the uh, uh, world reserve currency because all these people are going to start investing in the ruble or whatever because uh, I guess they're selling um, gas. <laughs> they're selling petrol. Uh, to China, so the Chinese, what is uh, the yuan? I think it's called. Yeah, Japan's the yen, China's the yuan, and Russia is the ruble. And if they're buying, if China starts buying rubles, or if Russia starts buying yuan or whatever, and they start exchanging for oil, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are, are you kidding me, people? There's got to be intelligent, connected, aware uh, people in positions of power, or maybe not power, but in positions to be able to do something about it. Those people need to do something about it. <laughs> like, are we just going to sit by and watch this happen? You know, where are the patriots? Where are the courageous? Where is the small minority of 
disgruntled, fed-up citizens. And, you know, and when I say that I'm not trying to radicalize you and let's go start the violent revolution, that's not what I'm saying. But it's kind of like uh, the guy from that movie Network I talked about a few episodes back. Like, you got to get mad. Like, the stuff has to upset you. If, you don't, if you're not upset by what you're witnessing go on in the world around you, going on in the world around you right now, in the 21st century, I don't know what you're paying attention to. You're probably distracted by the bread and circuses, the VR goggles, the metaverse. Jesus Christ, this met- people are making money in this metaverse already. I don't even know. I need to get educated real quick. I need to learn about all this NFT crap and about this, see, about this fictitious world because that's going to be the hook. Everybody's going to participate in this new digital reality because there's going to be money to be made if you have the right knowledge and education. Just like everything else in this world. You got to have the right knowledge and education. And that's just to be in the game. You, you want to get into a certain game and try to dominate that game? You need education. You need knowledge. You need awareness. You need to be engaged, active, an active participant, aware, ready, willing, and able to accept new information. You got to be open-minded. You got to be able to entertain ideas without necessarily accepting them. Just be able to entertain them. Think about it. Let it swirl around a little bit. Consider the possibility or the lack of possibility, I guess. I don't know. But we got to start thinking more. That's the power they have over us. What we allow is what will continue. And last episode, I I read a couple quotes by Neil Postman. You guys got to go check out his book. He wrote the book, uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Go pick up that book, Neil Postman. That's what we're doing. We're amusing ourselves to death. Over stimulation. Propaganda. Everything is engineered. Everything is, you know, a process of controlling your mind and manufacturing your consent. So that the military industrial complex's agenda will continue. Unopposed. And if anybody wants to associate and start talking about the critical issues of the day in their social houses, in their pubs, we're just going to make it so that you are going to have a real, real tough time doing that. We're going to brainwash the population through our media to the point to where you're suspect. You're a suspect. If you're talking about anything real and important, they're coming after the intelligent. The future generations 
are in real, real trouble. And I think Ryan Dean from the Dangerous World podcast said this, uh, and I agree. I'm not bringing children into this world, people. I'm, I'm already too afraid for your children. I'm so afraid for your children that I don't want a child of my own. I'll stick with dogs. I'll have dog children. <laughs> I feel like in the future it's going to be me and my dog. I am legend. I'm just going to walk the earth, barter and trade and hunt, and get into adventures. Occasionally take psychedelics and get in touch with the, you know, the other side. And, I don't know, live happily ever after? Is a return to nature what we need? I think Nietzsche actually said that once. I think uh, one of his quotes was, the only way to uh, cure a lack of something natural is a return to nature. And people, we're getting pretty fucking far away from natural these days. Everything's synthetic, artificial, and not meant to last. Everything's disposable, including the people in the eyes of the new bourgeoisie, the aristocrats, the big club. I'm going to take a break. And when I get back, we're going to keep... Talking about this crazy, crazy world you and I are living in together here in the 21st century. The brave new world order is upon us. People, I will be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back. Uh, in a previous show, I told you guys that I was going to bring up the book Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, written by author Charles McKay. And here, let's meet Charles McKay. He was a Scottish poet, journalist, author, anthologist, novelist, and songwriter, remembered mainly for his book, Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. He was born in Perth, Scotland. Father was a bombardier in the Royal Artillery, mother... Uh, died shortly after his birth. He was educated at Caledonian Asylum in London. 
Uh, he was placed by his father at a school in Brussels in 1828. And he studied many languages there. Uh, in, in 1830, he was engaged as a private security to William Cockerell, the Iron Master near Liege. Uh, began writing in French in the uh, Courier Belge and sent English poems to a local newspaper called The Telegraph. Uh, visited Paris quite a bit. Um, was a journalist for the Morning Chronicle. And so anyway, he also wrote a book. Uh, after visiting North America in the 1850s, published his observations uh, and called it Life and Liberty in America, or Sketches of a Tour of the United States and Canada. During the American Civil War, he returned there as a correspondent for the Times, in which capacity he discovered and disclosed the Fenian Conspiracy, which has to do with uh, an Irish group uh, in America that was in, I think, the Irish Republican something that uh, was in conflict with England once upon a time, I think the story goes. I could be wrong about that. But uh, anyway, so that's a little bit about McKay. And I want to talk about this book. It's got some interesting subject matter that themes up with my topic quite well. And that topic is how easily swindled by the powers that be we naive, gullible, dipshit Americans are. First published in 1841, Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds is often cited as the best book ever written about market psychology. Uh, the Harriman House edition includes Charles McKay's account of the three infamous financial manias. First, the John Law's Mississippi scheme, the South Sea bubble, and tulipomania, which you can get into those specific stories if you read the book. Between the three of them, these historic episodes confirm that greed and fear have always been the driving forces of financial markets. And furthermore, that being sensible and clever is no defense against the mesmeric allure of a popular craze with the wind behind it. In writing the history of the great financial manias, Charles McKay proved himself a master chronicler of social as well as financial history. Blessed with a cast of characters that covered all the vices, gifted a passage of events which was inevitably heading for disaster, and with the benefit of hindsight, he produced a record that is at once a riveting thriller and absorbing historical document. A century and a half later, it is as vibrant and lurid as the day it was written. For modern-day investors, still reeling from the dot-com crash, the moral of the popular manias scarcely needs spelling out. When the next stock market bubble comes along, as it surely will, <laughs> that's for sure, 
you are advised to recall the plight of some of the unfortunates on these pages and avoid getting dragged under the wheels of the careering bandwagon yourself. Let's get into this a little bit more. I, I encourage you all to go pick up this book and read it. And you can get the original non-Harriman House editions for like eight bucks from Goodreads and some other non-Amazon sources. People, everything is in books. You got to read books, okay? This 176-year-old book outlines some bizarre cases of crowd psychology that have caused men to toss out rationality and sense but instead surrender themselves to persuading stories of easy riches. The Mississippi scheme is one such case where the French people were swept away by an exiled, excessive gambler's promises that Company of the Indies would forever appreciate in value. At its peak, the company's market value reached 2,600 million levers more than twice the amount of all the coins in the country. Eventually, people realized it was hyped like you wouldn't believe, and it tumbled to practically nothing. Tulip mania, the whole, the, I'm sorry, the well-known story of how fortune's enormous sums, even, were exchanged for a few tulip bulbs, or simply futures contracts were on them. Again, people realized it was worthless and the nation's nobles were financially ruined. Men, it has been well said, think in herds. Herd mentality. You people t hear me talking about it all the time. It will be seen that they go mad in herds. While they only recover their senses slowly, one by one. In 1841, Charles McKay published this humongous book on crowd psychology. It covers a wide range of areas, from fortune-telling to believing in haunted houses and witchcraft. Though these tales are instrumental in illustrating the bizarre stories humans can be persuaded to believe, I'll focus my efforts on two of the three chapters on economic bubbles. And then he goes on talking about the Mississippi scheme, how the Duke of Orleans took the reins of the French government. The government was massively indebted. The country owed 3,000 million levers, only brought in 3 million annually, 145 million in revenues, 142 million expenses. The Duke was not equipped to handle the situation. Entering John Law, an excessive gambler who had been exiled from various cities, a swindler, people. He advised the Duke to grant him authorization to establish a bank that managed royal revenues and issued notes. Hmm, what does that sound like to you? I wonder if the Duke of Orleans had any affiliation with the Rothschild family. Who knows? Maybe what about this John Law guy? He established a bank. Due to John Law's success in this endeavor, the Duke granted him permission to establish a company with exclusive trading privileges to Mississippi and Louisiana in 1717. 
200,000 shares of Company of the Indies were issued at 500 livres each. Due to John's perceived success, the promises he voiced on behalf of Mississippi Ventures were readily believed. His promise of a 200 livre annual dividend that accompanied the issuance of 500, I'm sorry, of 50,000 new shares by 1719. The public enthusiasm could not resist a vision so splendid. As evident in the 300,000 applicants received for the new shares. Soon thereafter, 300,000 additional shares were issued. Now at 5,000 livres each, the issuance of shares was all in the uh, regent's quest to pay off its national debts with the money from the offerings. The stock often rose 10 to 20% in a matter of hours. And this reminds me of this recent, you know, shorting the GameStop stock that you've probably heard about. Charles portrays uh, one story where a large shareholder sent his servant to the French Wall Street, Hardin de Soisson, to sell 250 shares at the quoted value of 8,000 livres. When he arrived, soon thereafter, the quote was 10,000, a 500,000 livre difference when possessing 250 shares. Uh, a difference, which the servant pocketed and rode toward the sunset. Indeed, the highest and the lowest classes were alike filled with the vision of boundless wealth. And then fast forward, the share price of the Company of the Indies is shot up in such a degree that more money needed to be printed for the public to buy them. More money needed to be printed for the public to buy them. But when the usual it can't continue forever quote-unquote, whispers began surfacing as they should, much like is happening in our world right now. People wanted to take their profits and run. The public, however, wanted their profits in coins, not paper. The issue was this. At its peak, the company's market value reached 260 I'm sorry, 2,600 million levers, more than twice the amount of all the coins in the country. The government thus decided to, one, stop the printing of money, <laughs> two, uh, cut the company's value in half by 1720. This controlled attempt to diminish the value of the company failed miserably, and the stock price quickly tumbled 95% before the huge debt burden was taken over by the government, <laughs> who had to raise taxes in order to meet these obligations. Sound familiar, my fellow Americans? And I'm not going to go into the other stories. The tulip mania story uh, is very interesting as well. Uh, that story took place in Germany and Holland, so I encourage you to go take a listen to that, or take a read, rather, of that. Uh, and then there's another story in here, too. And there's more uh, in the non-Harriman House editions of this book, allegedly. Some of the stuff from this book has been taken out over time by interested, concerned parties for whatever reason. So there's cons some conspiratorial questions 
to be asked there, my fellow Americans, why are certain people concerned about some of the contents of this book? (laughs) Think about it. And I like this uh, description. Someone described the book being this, a complete repackaging of the classic work and about grand-scale madness, major schemes, and bamboozlement, and the universal human susceptibility to all three. This informative, funny collection encompasses a broad range of manias and deceptions. From witch burnings to the great crusades to the prophecies of Nostradamus. (laughs) People, you got to go pick up this book. And I encourage you to get older editions, non-Harriman House editions, because apparently a lot is missing from the Harriman House editions. Okay, here's another a great tale of greed and fear and market manipulation. This is it. If you want to know how many times the world has been gripped by madness, then look no farther than the reprinted edition of McKay's classic. Written in the wonderful old English style of the early 19th century, McKay takes us on a tour of the world's most horrifying manias. Up to about 1840, anyway, I particularly like the chapter on witchcraft and witch hunts since it told me everything I'll ever need to know on why seemingly intelligent groups of people band together to banish or murder innocent members of society just because they are different. Another engaging chapter deals with millennialism, the fear and dread that grips society at the end of each millennium. That's a thing. If you thought the end of the last one brought turbulence, you should read what happened a thousand years ago. This book is often quoted by stock market pundits and talking heads as if it were a treatise on irrational behavior in the financial markets. (laughs) And you know what this also makes me think of? This makes me think of when Rothschild took over the Bank of England that I talked about on previous shows. And how the big bankers and world planning financier families of the past have, you know, infiltrated, overcome, acquired certain countries' financial markets and currencies and banks, etc., The stories in this book will have appeal as long as human beings exhibit greed and fear in their investing. Those traits will encourage people to manipulate those emotions to their advantage, people. And these tales will recur recur throughout history with new investments every few years or so. Some few winners will garner long-term wealth while most will lose their seats in this game. It's a financial game of musical chairs known as speculating so anyway there's some acclaim for this book 
And then let me read this part. Charles McKay's highly recommended Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, first published in 1841, studies the psychology of crowds and mass mania throughout history. McKay includes accounts of classic scams, grand-scale madness, and deceptions. Some of these include the Mississippi scheme we talked about, swept France, the sea bubble that ruined thousands in England at the same time, and the tulip mania of Holland that we just covered when fortunes were made and lost over single tulip bulbs. Other chapters deal with fads and delusions that often sprang from valid ideas and causes, many of which still have their followers today. Alchemy and the Philosopher's Stone, the Prophecies of Nostradamus, the Coming of Comets and Judgment Day, the Rosicrucians, and Astrology. Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds is an important historical treatise that modern readers will find fascinating, engaging, and shrewd as they see how history repeats itself, but that disastrous pitfalls can be avoided by understanding the cycles and the patterns of greed-based ignorance plays in promoting and perpetuating group hysteria in the fields of business, finance, politics, and in general, superstition. I highly recommend, my fellow Americans, that you all go pick up the very important and very yet inexpensive book, Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by author Charles McKay. People, I'm going to cut this episode short today. And what's my theme? I think you guys know what I'm pointing to. I want you guys to be able to take stories from right now, today, current events, things that are going on in your world right now. And I want you to start comparing them to stories from the past that line up chronologically almost perfectly in a lot of cases. Those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it. There is nothing new in this world except the history you do not know. People, everything is in books. You gotta start reading. Or we, you, me, all of us are in big, big trouble. And how crazy is it, people, to think? You know, I want I want to play. I'm gonna I'm gonna outro uh, this segment two of the show today by playing that uh, clip from Majid Nawaz. Um, Majid Nawaz was his name. The, uh, the you know they they bombed Pakistan bio labs. It's because they thought that it was a CIA front. And the CIA admitted to fake hepatitis vaccine programs. People. And, and, you know, and then this guy says, this Majid Nawaz says that people were trying to question his lived experiences. Like he lived through this. He lived to tell about this. And people are still 
so brainwashed and manipulated by this game that we all participate in, this game we play, this fantasy world we all live in, created through media, propaganda, and your TV. You think that you know more than somebody who actually lived to talk to tell about it and to talk about it? How fucking high and mighty and self-righteous and narcissistic and, you know, just out of control individualism can we get? Like, yeah, I'm a uh, liberty-minded guy and, and I definitely believe in individual sovereignty, but there is a point where, <laughs> you know, individualism can get a little radical and a little fundamentalist and a little out of control. You got to have the best intentions of the whole in mind. You got to exercise your reason. You got to stay grounded with your jagged edges, of course, so that we can make marks, so that we can leave marks on our culture, on our society. I don't know, maybe remain crazy. Maybe don't be well-rounded. Maybe you got to get upset. Maybe you got to get a little crazy. I don't know. But think about what our intelligence community has been, you know, proven guilty of throughout, you know, the course of history. How many times have we caught them doing unbelievably horrific things to people in this world? Unbelievably dastardly uh, deeds. (laughs) I mean, as evil as it gets. These intelligence communities, the military-industrial complex, all these companies, all these people that have money to be made off of the engineering of your emotions, engineering of your consent through propaganda geared at tugging at your emotions and eliciting a desired, prescribed response from you, you are being brainwashed, propagandized, and manipulated on a mass scale. And if you still... Don't believe it. I don't know if you're savable. Don't take my word for it. Just listen to this one more time. In Pakistan, the CIA conducted a fake vaccination program on children in the hunt for bin Laden. That's not even concealed. It's been admitted. You can, yo, Jamie, you can look it up. Vox has reported, everyone's reported, because they've admitted it and apologized for it now. In the hunt for bin Laden, there was a fake hepatitis B vaccine program on children collecting all their DNA to try and see if they were related to bin Laden so they could trace bin Laden. This is why in Pakistan, my family's country of origin, the Taliban blow up vaccination centers because they think they're CIA fronts. Right? So while he's looking that up, I'll, I'll keep telling you this story. You, you know, there we are. How the CIA's fake hepatitis B vaccine program in Pakistan helped fuel vaccine distrust. Wow. Now, now, you know, what is that? Is that on Vox? They had a fake hepatitis B vaccine program. And Jamie, if you scroll down, it may even contain the CIA's apology in there. But, Whoops. Uh, but, but many of them do once it got exposed. Yeah. But again, Joe, the only way this gets exposed is when people like us have these conversations. Yeah. Now you're trying to, not you, but you know, people are trying to convince me that none of this happened that the states always had my best interests at heart. I can't undo those experiences and those memories and the treatment to say, okay, 
You were wrong on Iraq and you actually lied. You were wrong with this hepatitis B vaccination program in Pakistan. My family still live there. Okay, you were wrong there and you lied and you did this fake program using vaccines. But you know what? Okay, you were wrong there. But Oh, and you were wrong when you injected me in, in prison, one of your allies, Mubarak, who was one of the closest allies of America after Israel in the Middle East, whether it's uh, here in the U.S. with the African-American communities and the whole experience of uh, medical abuse by the state. But this time you're telling me the truth. No, I'm going to question. I'm not saying you're lying. Right. I'm not saying anyone's lying, by the but way. But that's a thing where under crisis, people do not like people questioning yeah. the narrative. <laughs> people, the big club does not like anybody questioning their narrative. What's the moral of the story today, people? Usury, inflation, uh, you know, many forms of tyranny, scarcity induced by sanctions, food shortages, allegedly, austerity, austerity measures, trying to right the currency, bubbles uh, with regard to fiat currency, etc., CIA fronts, vaccine, vac uh, vaccination centers in Pakistan, biolabs on the border of Ukraine. People, you better beware of the military-industrial complex and most specifically our intelligence community. People, let's move on. Let's turn up the optimism and the fun. And let's play some punk rock. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. time it is it's time to play some punk rock and today i'm gonna play a couple songs for you by a band called smash tv <clears throat> and i've been talking to sean the vocalist from the band and here's their bio <clears throat> founded in october of 2020 by sean on vocals smash tv is an alternative rock group from vancouver british columbia that draws influences from punk, emo, metal, and hardcore. Their first single, Limbo, was released on Spotify October 16th and was followed up by 28 Days, their second single on October 31st. Their third single, Staying the Same, was released December 10th and is a throwback to 90s skate punk mixed with the more modern produced punk sound. Their fourth single, Gutter Blues, will be released in April. 
and is a sleazy L.A. strip, California style of dirty rock meets punk. The group will continue to write, record, and release music during the pandemic. The group looks forward to touring the American West Coast as things begin to return to normal. <laughs> oh, I don't know if things are going to return to normal. I don't know what the future of touring punk rock bands is. But I know that it's a little tense <laughs> uh, with all the things that are going on in this world. Lockdowns maybe coming back. The return of COVID. Perhaps the tyranny that is being perpetrated upon us, the usury of our central banking cartel system, scarcity, austerity, etc. What a world, right? Well, here's a song that I really like by the band Smash TV. And Sean sent me over the lyrics to this song. I'm going to read them to you uh, after I play it for you. So here we go, people, without further ado. Here is the band Smash TV making their debut on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast with their song, Media Circus.
<laughs> the media's a circus on your television. Superstition makes it hard. Hard to come to a decision. Kids are shooting up their schools. Shouting Sig Heil. <laughs> Area 51 hysteria. While Hollywood's a pedophile. <laughs> we got to stand up and find a better solution. We got to fight back if we want a better conclusion. We got to wake up to free us from this illusion. We got to unite if we want a revolution. <laughs> this just in, this just in. They tell us we can't win. This just in, this just in. They want to divide and conquer. We won't prosper with a leader that's a mobster. Look into the eyes of this monster. <laughs> Sean, I love it, dude. They keep us in fear. It's always the end of the world. Half-truths and misinformation. The truth is usually twirled, desensitized, pre-programmed, so we obey their command. They keep us confused. Corporate media is out of hand. Yeah, those fuckers are out of hand. <laughs> this just in, this just in. They tell us we can't win. This just in, this just in. They want to divide and conquer. We won't prosper with a leader that's a monster. Look into the eyes. I'm sorry. With a leader that's a mobster. Look into the eyes of this monster. I love it. People, that was the song Media Circus by the band Smash TV. And I love these guys. Uh, it reminded me of the Bronx a little bit. You guys are awesome. Uh, I'm going to play this other song. Um, uh, Gutter Blues. I was taking a listen to Smash TV. And I like this song as well. And I wanted to play a couple from these guys today. Uh, so again... Sean and Smash TV, thank you for letting us feature your music on the show today. Here we go, people. Here's one more song from Smash TV entitled Gutter Blues.
right, people. I love that track. These guys are awesome. That was Gutter Blues by the band Smash TV. Thanks again. And if you guys get some new stuff written, send it over. We'll play it on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Donate to the show. Buy a t-shirt. Uh, go to the episodes tab. And I'm going to start doing show notes, people. Yeah. I've changed my mind. I didn't know when I first started this podcast that the search engine optimization benefits, SEO, a lot of you people have heard about. Uh, If you format your show notes to capitalize on SEO, you will probably get a lot more traffic to your website which means you're going to get a lot more earballs on your show, fellow podcasters. Pro tip. I just recently was educated about show notes on your website uh, and using it to optimize your search engine optimization, which will drive traffic to your podcast and your website. And if you have a store on your website, you might even get some more sales going of your merchandise. So I'm going to look into it. Uh, I started doing, I think I got the first three episodes uh, of show notes up. And it's, uh, I'm going to just kind of, um, I'm going to kind of just have like a templated format. So a lot of the show notes are going to, seem like the flow is similar, although what I'm talking about and the content is different. So if you're interested, I'm going to start doing show notes. I'll start putting the links and stuff to uh, the videos and the clips I play on here. Or if I don't have the link or if I don't want to take the time to go find the link, at least I'll at least I'll tell you where you can find it at. If it's from someone's podcast or wherever, I'll let you know so you can go look at the stuff that I'm looking at when I choose to make them into clips for the show. Okay? So, and also, fellow podcast, I'm sorry, fellow uh, punk rock bands out there, if you want me to play your stuff on the show, send it to andrewforamerica1984 at gmail.com. Or if you have some ideas about some content, or uh, I'm going to look into subscriptions here uh, soon, So I'm trying to get some uh, feedback as well about what my listeners would want to hear in a subscriber-only show. So I'm kicking around those ideas right now. Uh, I'm going to get a few more t-shirts and some more merch up on the website as well soon. Uh, And I'm going to start doing show notes. So be patient. It's going to take me a while to do 93 sets of show notes after the fact. But I'm going to do it because I don't give up. I'm going to keep going. I ain't going to stop. I'm going to keep doing this show for you. I'm going to keep doing this show for me. I'm going to keep doing this show for all of us. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. 
has been episode 93 of the Politics Punk Rock Podcast, entitled Tyranny, Usury, Scarcity, and Austerity. We'll see you next time.